was in my early forties with a lot of life before me and a moment came to stop me on the dime spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays talking about the options and talking about sweet time I still with a sinking this really might be the real has it hit you when you get that kind of news man what you do I went skydiving I went Rocky Mountain climbing I went 2.76 On a booming, booming tube And I looked deeper And I spoke sweeter And I gave forgiveness I've been denying I said someday I hope you get the chance Live like you were dying So finally the hearse Most of the time I was And I became the friend The friend would like to have And all of a sudden going fishing was in such an imposition And I went three times that year I lost my dad well, I finally read the good book And I took a good long hard look What would I do if I could do it all again? Yeah. I went skydiving I went Rocky Mountain climbing, I went 2.76 on a full and true. And I love deeper and I spoke sweeter and I gave forgiveness. I'm in denial. He said, Someday I hope you get the chance to live like you would die. Like tomorrow was a gift And you got it hurting You think about what you do with it What would you do with it What could I do with it What would I do with it Skydiving out here Rocky Mountain climbing out here 2.76 On a full and I love deeper and I spoke sweeter and I watched eagle as it was flying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Live like you were dying.
Bible, we're going to be looking today in Acts chapter 10. And so you can look there. We're going to be sort of skipping around a little bit uh, throughout chapter 10. But uh, my hope today is that, that we're going to see that God has a plan and a desire for our lives that is probably bigger than what we even imagine. God has a mission and a purpose for us. Uh, speaking of mission, uh, a number of years ago there's a man who had moved to Atlanta. wasn't very familiar with the city, so he decided he wanted to, to, get, uh, to go out uh, at a restaurant. So he's looking through to see some of the restaurants in town. Had the phone book out, going through, and he really did. He came across this one restaurant that was called the Church of God Grill. And it kind of, you know, kind of piqued his interest. Like, what in the world is that? And so he called them up, and nice person answered the phone and said, Hello, this is the Church of God Grill. And he said, what is this? And they said, well, it's a restaurant. And he said, uh, well, how in the world did you get that name? And they told him. They said, well, a number of years ago, we, we started a church, and uh, right after service was over, we started selling chicken dinners to try to help you know, offset some of the cost of the church. He said, man, it got really popular. And he said, before long, we had so many people coming that we had to quit having worship services. And so he said, now this was obviously a great example of a church that lost sight of its mission. Now, Village Church, um, I don't have a fear of us ever moving from Village Church to the Village Church Grill. Uh, but there are some things that I have concerns about, and one of them is that we always remember what our mission is. That we always remember what our purpose is and why we're here. And I have to say that since we uh, started in 2002, I would say that for the most part, we've done, we've done, y'all have done a really good job. Uh, there's no doubt that over the years, we, we have seen God do some really neat stuff here. Uh, we've seen God really give us good favor in our community. We've seen God grow and bless us with the flourishing children and youth ministry. We've seen God open up doors for us to serve in our community. We've seen hundreds of people come into a relationship with Jesus. I mean, some really neat stuff. And so there's no doubt in my mind that God has His hand upon His church. Now today we are, we are beginning a new series of messages called Live Like You Were Dying. And we, we are focusing in on this because I think that there's a lot of us who, or a lot of people in general, who just sort of, we sort of live life, you know, and we, we go through the, the regular day-to-day -day stuff. And then I think a lot of us come to the end of our life and we think, man, I wish I would have done more. And we kind of look back and we say, you know, if I had the opportunity to do that, I would do it differently this time. And it is my hope that, that we won't come to the end of our lives as individuals, as Christians, as a church, where we look back and say, you know what, I wish I would have done things differently. Now, y'all, just to let you know, by, by nature, I'm a pretty conservative guy. I mean, you know, I don't do very many, not really very many risky things. I mean, I like to, I like to stay, I like things sort of being safe. But as I get older, and now you might think, well, it's, you get crazier when you get older. But I think there's some wisdom that's coming into my life, believe it or not. I'm starting to realize this. We don't live forever. And as I'm realizing this, I'm starting to think, you know what? Now let's take some risk. You know, let, let's, let's, let's be challenged by what God says 
And let's take some chances and do what God calls for us to do and let's just see what happens. And that's the whole motivation behind this, this series, Live Like You Are Dying. Uh, today in our passage of scripture we're going to see a guy named Peter who was a disciple of Jesus and he was given a challenge by God to stay true to the mission that he'd given him but to do it in a bigger way than he ever dreamed. And that's my challenge for you and for me. That we stay true to our task, to our purpose, to our mission, which is the message of Jesus, but to be willing to do it in a way that is much bigger than we ever dreamed. Now you may be thinking, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, we're going to look in Acts chapter 10. We're going to sort of float around in chapter 10 a little bit. But as you look in that, in that chapter, just to let you know, uh, Peter, or Jesus had already ascended into heaven. You know, he, he had been uh, executed on the cross. He rose from the grave, he ascended into heaven, and then he had a meeting with his disciples, told them what to do, and Peter, who was one of my, my favorite disciples, I mean, he's a guy who's just sort of, he sort of, you know, pops off a lot, he says things he shouldn't say, he acts really quickly, and I like him a lot. Well, then Peter begins to have this real commitment to follow Jesus, and he goes around, he's preaching People are being healed. I mean, he raised a girl from the dead. And when that stuff like that happens, that's newsworthy. I mean, people start paying attention. And so there's like this move of God that's going on everywhere that Peter goes. Everybody's paying attention to what's happening. And so this great movement of God, and I started thinking about that, and I thought, in some ways, our church right here, our community, we have seen, we've seen God move. We have seen God do incredible things in your lives and in the lives of this church and in the ministry of your personal ministries and the ministry of this church. But I believe God's calling us to more. And so like Peter, he was calling Peter to more. Peter's doing incredible things, but he wanted Peter to, to expand his ministry. And y'all, I really believe this. I believe God is calling for our church to expand our reach. Now how do we do that? What does that entail? I really think it's very simple. It comes down to us thinking like Jesus thinks. Now, if we're going to think like Jesus thinks, there's a few things that we need to remember. And one of the first things we need to remember, if we're going to think like Jesus, we need to remember this. Remember, no one is beyond the reach of salvation. In other words, no one is beyond the reach of a touch from Jesus. Now, look with me in, let's see, verse number 9. And I'll just give you a quick background here. Uh, they were traveling uh, nearing the city, and Peter went up to pray on the housetop at about noon. And then about noon, what happened to him? What ha what's happening to many of you right now? He became hungry, and he wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he went into a visionary state. He saw heaven open and an object coming down that resembled a large sheep being lowered to the earth by its four corners. And in it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. Hunters, this is a verse for you. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. August 15th, that began for many hunters. No, Lord, Peter said, for I've never eaten anything common and unclean. And again, a second time, a voice said to him, what God has made, you must not call common. And this happened three times, and then the object was taken up into heaven. And while Peter was deeply perplexed about what the vision he had seen might mean, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, stood at the gate. 
Okay, now you're thinking, this is a strange passage of Scripture. He has a vision about a sheet with animals on it. What does this have to do with anything that we're going to be talking about today? Well, hopefully, I'm going to explain it. Hopefully, it's going to make sense at the end. Uh, first of all, understand, no one is beyond the reach of salvation. And that is what that whole vision about the sheet is about. You know, sometimes as, as believers, it's easy for us to think that the only people who can have a connection with God, the only people that the church is to minister to are people who are just like us. Sort of like a marine commercial. You know, the few, the proud, the marines. The few, the proud, the Christians. But here's what we have to understand. Christ didn't just come here for a few good people. The Bible says that He came here for the world. He came here for everybody to know who He is. And whenever Christ ascended into heaven, it's then that Peter gets this vision. You see, guys, whenever Jesus left here, the last message that he gave to his disciples is he's like, I want you to know this message of who I am and the mission that I have for people's lives, it is for all people. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. says, therefore, go and make disciples of who? It says, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, guys, you have a mission bigger than you. You have a mission bigger than the people you're around. It is to reach others, to reach the world. You know what the disciples and followers do with that message? They didn't do a whole lot. They just sort of hung around Jerusalem. They got pretty complacent. You know, some neat things were happening, but they were not being obedient to what Jesus called them. So what does God do? He lights a fire under people so his mission will be accomplished. And he lights a fire under Peter, and he did it when Peter was in this town called Joppa, which is on the coast uh, of Israel. Uh, y'all, uh, I've had the opportunity to be there. Glenn and I were there this past year. And i uh, just give you a little visual. It's a really neat place. It's on the coast. The water is, it is so blue. I mean, it's a cool place. It's very beautiful. And this is where, where Peter was. He's getting ready to have lunch. And all of a sudden, there is a vision that comes to him. And it's told with all these animals on the sheet, rise, kill, and eat. And some of you right now, you're thinking, the closer it gets to 1130, the closer I am to doing that. But here's what's interesting about these verses. Why all the animals on the sheep? There are dietary laws. Now you might, you may know this or you might not. The Jewish people followed dietary laws. You go back to the Old Testament, you can read about it. God said there's some animals you can eat, other animals that you can't. It was a way to separate God's people from the rest of the world, just to show that they were different. Now for years, people followed these dietary laws. Peter's one of these guys. And then God puts a sheet up of all these animals, some of them unclean, and he says, Peter, I want you to eat these animals. And Peter responds saying, well, I ain't, I've never done this. God, I don't want to do this. If I do this, I mean, it'll make me, it'll make me unclean. And, and, and God's letting him know, all that I make is good. Now, now, now is, this a, is this a lesson on, on eating? No, there's a deeper lesson here. See, there is a barrier that stood between the Jews and the Gentile people. I'm one of them. Folks are not Jewish. And one of the barriers were the food laws. And because of these food laws, because the Jewish people saw eating of all foods as being unclean, they didn't hang out with Gentile people. I mean, there was a barrier that was there. They would not share with these people because they saw them as being unclean. And so what God is doing is he's busting down barriers to show Peter 
that he had come for all people. And he wants Peter to get rid of the obstacles and begin to reach out so that people will know that God loves them. Y'all, the same thing is still true today. Jesus did not just simply come here for people with a church background. He did not just simply come here for people who happened to live in Blythewood on, on Rymer Pond Road. He came here for all people. And he came here for his message to be shared with all people. Galatians 3.28 says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. All right, you may say, then, what does this have to do with us? All right, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. There's been something on my heart for a long time. And I don't think that it's because I ate at San Jose's one too many times and I had a vision. I really believe it's from God. Uh, whenever we started the church, when we came here, our family felt God calling us to this community years ago. And so our family moved here. And not long after that, there was another way that God began to work in my heart. And I really believe, I believe God is challenging our church to expand its reach beyond what it is right now. Now, you know, what does that mean? All right, here's the scary part, okay? So y'all don't get up and run out of here. I really believe that God is, is moving us to investigate, to begin to look, and to begin to prepare to start another campus of Village Church. When? I I, my, my thought is that we need to be, be ready like 2014. It's 2013 now. It's the next year. 2014. And you say, now what is that going to mean? It's going to mean a lot. Um, you might say, is that going to mean anything big for us? Does it mean sacrifice for us? Yeah, it is. You know, what kind? If y'all are like me, you want, before I start sacrificing, what's that going to mean? It's going to be a sacrifice for our staff. For this to happen, it's, our staff's going to have to have to do some th have to do extra things to help see that this happens, to help begin the process of preparing so that we can go into a new area to prepare to minister to more people. You might say, now, okay, that sounds good. We can, we can live with the staff sacrificing. All right, now here's the other part. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mean y'all too. Now you might say, in what way? Y'all, it's, it's, it's not going to be free for us. We have to figure out a way that we can begin to use what we receive and our gifts and offerings to help begin a new work. It's going to be a sacrifice for some of you because I believe God is going to call. We're not going to make, make anybody do anything, but we believe that God's going to call some of you to be a part of a core group that helps begin this new ministry. So is there going to be sacrifice involved? Absolutely, there's going to be sacrifice in, involved. Now we're going, to be, we're going to be the same church. What we're looking at is being the same church just in two different locations. And just to let you know, I'm not just sharing this for the first time up here. I've actually talked to our advisory team. I've talked to our staff. And you know what they've said? They said, let's just see what happens. Isn't that neat? If God's calling us to do this, let's, let's see what happens. And here's where I am. Let's go big. You know, let, let's, let's, we, we are willing to say God is a big God. You know, I think it's time for us to move beyond just saying it. Let's do something. And let's allow God to show us, through our obedience, what He can really do. See, we're not just here for us. We, we have not arrived. I believe we are just scratching the surface 
of where God wants us to be. And that sounds so greedy. But it's not that I want to be greedy. It's just that I really believe God is so much bigger than we think He is. And when, when God has blessed us to whom much has been given, much is required. I believe God has blessed us so that we can bless others. So how, how do we do this? Well, it begins with us thinking like Jesus. And if we're going to do that, then we have to remember that no one is beyond the reach and the touch of God and His salvation. If we're going to think like Jesus, it also requires us remembering no one comes to Christ except by the work of the Holy Spirit. Now I know that's sort of a, a big little, a big, not a big little, a big statement there, but this statement ought to bring us some relief, and I hope to explain it. Now I want you to look in verse number one. This is where we get to the background of the story. It says there's this guy, there's this man named uh, man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. So he's a soldier. He was a devout man and feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. About three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw in a vision an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius. And looking intently at him, he became afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he told him, Your prayers and your acts of charity have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who's also named Peter. He's lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. So that's the background of what's happening. Okay, now hop over to verse number 17. And while Peter was deeply perplexed, so deep, Peter's having a vision, and he's confused about this vision. It's weird. He's perplexed about what the vision he had seen might mean. And the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, they stood at the gate. And they called out, asking if Simon, who's also named Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was thinking about the vision, you know, this is the most important part of our text today, I believe. The Spirit told him, three men are here looking for you. Get up. Go downstairs and accompany them with no doubts at all, because I have sent them. That's my favorite part of the verse. Now, I think a lot of us, we, we, we get really, when we start talking about sharing and expanding ministry and, and telling other people about Jesus, it, we can really make a bigger deal out of it than it really is. You know, we think, well, if I'm really going to do that, if I'm going to talk to people about Jesus, if I'm going to share my faith, and it's going to be active in my life, then I need to, you know, I have to have a, a Ph.D. in Bible. I need to know 600 Bible verses. And we just sort of overwhelm ourselves with all these thoughts about if we're going to be effective, we have to do all these different things. And so we get so overwhelmed, and we don't do anything. And I know most of us, when it comes down to it, is whenever we're under pressure, it's hard to perform well. Yeah, I mean, what happens when you get, I can tell you what happens to me when I get, when I feel under pressure, when I'm stressed, my heart beats faster, you know, I have a hard time breathing, and I just, I don't do well. Uh, an example of this for me is, I remember whenever I was, we had moved out here, and one of my best friends came to see me, he wanted to play golf. He loved to play golf. I, you know, I didn't play golf. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I played like once a year, played nine holes. The only reason why I went is because my dad, after the ninth hole, would buy me a Hershey's candy bar and a Coke. And then he'd say, you want to play the next nine? I was like, no way. Hated golf, but my friend comes out here, we go to Hilton Head to play golf. We go to a really nice course. We pull up at the first tee, and I'm sitting there. And for those of you who play golf, and we're down there in the summer, I, I'm sitting there, and I look behind me in my golf cart, and there are people pulling up behind me because they're going to be teeing off after me. And I come to the realization they're going to watch me hit the golf ball. Now, if you play golf, you have to say that is more than death. One of the most frightening, 
the fr most frightening thing in the world is to tee off in front of other guys. Because I'm sitting there thinking, man, they're going to watch me, and they're going to die when they see me swing a club. And so I walk up there. You know, I'm trying to keep it together. I don't want to be humiliated. I hit my golf ball. I made contact. That's good. The bad part is that it hit a palmetto tree on the right side and went behind the tee box. And you can hear a collective groan in all the carts. I swear there's like 40 of them. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is going to take all day. We got in the cart. I drove back. I'm totally humiliated. I pick up the golf ball and I drive straight to the second hole. I was like, forget about playing the first hole. Now, I really believe this. I believe that's how many of us look at our faith. And the whole idea of sharing our faith. We don't want to be humiliated. We don't want to do anything that's going to embarrass us because we feel under pressure. But when it comes to being obedient to God and sharing who God is, understand this. The, the pressure's not on you. Did you know, did you know that, that people do not decide to follow God because of how many Bible verses you know? Now, I'm not saying it's, it's not a good thing to know Scripture, but that's not why people come to God. People don't come to God because, because you're just so incredibly attractive as a Christian. They think, dude, that's not, I became a Christian because that guy is awesome. That's not what happens. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by what? Except by the Holy Spirit. It is God who draws people to himself. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility to share with other people. We've been called to be obedient. But we leave the results up to God. So that pressure is not on me. And that makes me feel a little bit better. I don't have to give such an incredible presentation of who Jesus is that it's all riding on me. It's riding on the Holy Spirit. And so whenever I think of us starting a new campus, that's really taking a lot of pressure off of me. I really believe God is moving us just simply to be obedient and to take the step of reaching out into new communities so that other people can have the opportunity to have a physical presence of Village Church so that we can share the gospel with them. Now what about the results? We're going to work hard. Guys, here's the deal. The results are up to God. The, the work of con conversion, the work of conviction, that is the job of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think it's interesting to look into our text, and I see that the, the witnessing opportunity came about, not because Peter jumped up and got right in Cornelius' face and said, you need Jesus. That's not what happened. What happened is that, that God began the process of leading Peter to go to that man to talk to him. It was God leading him. In verse number 19 and 20, it says, While Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, Three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and accompany them with no doubts at all, because I've sent them. I love that verse. Here's the deal. When the Holy Spirit leads us to do something, we can go towards it with no doubts at all. Why? Because God's leading. We can trust God. Pressure's not on me. Pressure's not on you. It's on Him. And so we just simply follow Him and be obedient to Him. And that is all that God is asking for us. He called Peter to reach out to Cornelius. He was already preparing Cornelius to be reached by Peter. Now when Peter received the vision, what was he doing? If you look in verse number 9, he's praying. And that's just a reminder to me, Village Church, if we're, if we're going 
to see God and hear from God and know where to move for God, we need to spend time talking to God and listening to Him. Now, how do, how do we think like Jesus? Now, how are we going to think big at Village Church? How, what, what happens? A few things to remember. First of all, first one is remember no one's beyond the reach of salvation. Second thing to remember is no one comes to Christ except by the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't have pressure on us. We just, we're called to be obedient. And it's the last thing. For us to think like Jesus, it requires us remembering none of us has a monopoly on Jesus. You know, he's not just mine. And he's not just yours. Now look with me in verse number 28. We're going to conclude here shortly. In verse number 28, it says, Peter said to them, and then he's talking to Cornelius at this time, who's a Roman soldier. He says, you know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner, but God has shown me that I must not call any person common or unclean. This is not a great way to introduce yourself to somebody. I mean, Peter comes up to him. Remember, he's Jewish. Uh, uh, Cornelius is Gentile. It's like him coming up to his house and saying, your house is really dirty, but God told me to come here anyway. Uh, if somebody did that to you, how are you going to respond? You're going to slam the door in their face and say, don't ever talk to me again. Okay, but Peter began to understand. Even though this was strange to him, he goes on to say, God doesn't show favoritism. And I'm beginning to understand that God has called me to reach you. You're different than me. God's message isn't just for people like me, but it's for everybody. Village Church, I really believe that's where we are. God's called us to go in different places. This message is not just for us. This message is for everybody. Now, whenever we get something nice, what's, what, is, what is in our nature to do when we get something nice? Now, I will tell you what my nature is. If I get something nice, I'm going to show it off. I want everybody to see it. Um, this happened to me a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, and I'm going to, this will be, uh, I got a, uh, a Mustang GT. And so it's black. I know you all have seen it. I know that you admire me. And uh, so some of you rudely called this my midlife crisis. Okay, so I don't like you. So some of y'all say that. Now, I will say this. After 11 years of riding with the family and going on trips in a minivan, I deserve it. Okay, so the Mustang, it's really cool. And I like to drive down. One of the cool things about it is this. Is there a better sounding car than a Mustang when you crank it up? Gary Collins in our church taught me this, that when you're coming to a stop sign, uh, getting or slowing down, drop it into first gear and then let off the clutch and man it growls I mean it is so cool so like I'm a you know 40 plus year old man driving up to these kids in high school and I'm just growling looking at them going yeah 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 there's something else I'd like anyway so it, I feel really cool doing that okay now now even though I want to I like to show it off I don't want anybody else driving it right it, that's, that's mine you can look at it you don't touch it and we do the same thing with our faith. You know, we, we find God, we discover God, and it's mine. And we don't share it with anybody else. That's where Peter was in our text. He didn't want to share it with anybody else, but he began to come to the realization, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus didn't just come for me. How crazy is it for us to think that? Who did he come for? He came for all of us. And for us to be smug and silent about our faith is, man, is a selfish and disobedient thing we can do. Let me close with a story. Miller Fuller is the guy who founded Habitat for Humanity. You know, they go out and build houses. And he's speaking to a bunch of preachers. 
at, at Pittsburgh Seminary, 200 of them, and he asks a really interesting question. He goes to this whole speech, talks about the mission of, of Habitat for Humanity, and he said, guys, let me ask you a question. He said, is there ever a time when you can build a house so big that it's sinful? And every pastor immediately threw up his hand. But here's what's really interesting. The question he asked after it, he said, I, then I, he was saying, you raise your hands. He goes, now i got a question for you. He goes, at what number is it that your house is so big that it's a sin? You know, how many square feet do you have to have before it can become sinful? It got really quiet. And one brave pastor who was very honest said, I can tell you. I said, what? He said, it's when somebody's house is bigger than yours, then it's a sin. That's how we are as people, just in our nature. There's nothing wrong with God blessing us. Let me tell you something. But when God blesses us, he expects us to use our blessings to share. Acts 20, 35, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Village church, live like you were dying. We have been called to share. What are we to share? Share faith. Share it individually. There are friends and people you know that you need to reach out to and tell them about Jesus, to invite them into the church, to invite them into your V group. How else do we accomplish this mission? I believe we've been called to accomplish this mission by expanding the reach of our ministry now. By looking at you know, investigating starting a new campus. That's what we're going to do over the next several months. Be begin to investigate how do we do this? How do we have a, a new campus where we can begin to reach more and more people? And so my, my challenge for you is I want to encourage you to join with us in prayer that God would give us wisdom, that God would open doors, that we might expand the ministry and take a risk. And let's just see what God's going to do. I believe God's going to do great things. But before he can do it, we have to be willing to step out in obedience.